NHL draft starts on Friday, and Jim Rutherford is already in Dallas, where, where it is. Jim Rutherford is the deal maker, and he might be laying groundwork. Or maybe he's on the grassy knoll looking for a second shooter. Or maybe he's doing shots. But one thing seems certain when it comes to Rutherford, the Penguins GM, at the NHL draft. Something is going to happen. That's just his nature. I don't think Phil Kessel gets traded. Oh, Kessel still wants out of Pittsburgh, no question. Kessel doesn't like Sullivan, doesn't want to play for Sullivan. But that's too bad. You got a contract. A deal's a deal. Shut up and play. Kessel's a wonky guy to handle. But maybe it's time to stop trying so hard. You got 22 other guys on that roster who don't need their hand held, and you got one who does. What's wrong with that picture? And then you, maybe then you, because you might trail Murray and Latang. Phil needs to get a grip. But the Penguins and Kessel need each other. That's the truth. The Pens had won the Cup in six years before Kessel got here. But let's be blunt. Before Kessel got to Pittsburgh, he was thought of as just some fat schmuck who ate hot dogs. You ask the average hockey fan, and that's what he knew about Phil Kessel. He's a fat schmuck who eats hot dogs. He's a cartoon character. In some ways, Phil Kessel is still a cartoon character. That's why he's so popular with the fans and in the dressing room. But it's different now because he helped win two cups. Yeah, Phil Kessel did that for Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh also did that for Phil Kessel. This is the Mark Madden Show. I am a super genius with a tested IQ of 166, and you can't teach that. But a boom, smartest guy in the room. How you doing? 412-333-9939 is the number to call to participate. Or you could participate on the periphery on Twitter. Follow me at Mark Madden X. The Penguins opener is at home on Thursday, October 4th. And it's against Washington, the defending Stanley Cup champ, just so it isn't at Washington. The Caps raised the banner the night before at home against Boston. So the Penguins will be rested and waiting as Washington plays the second end of a back-to-back on the road. Turnabout from last year is fair play. Uh, The Penguins, you may recall, played 16 back-to-backers last season. The entire NHL schedule will be released tomorrow. I really feel like it's time for some plain talk about Phil Kessel. If you'd like to join in, dial 412-333-WXDX. Kessel gets tiptoed around here in Pittsburgh by everybody because of how bad he got treated in Toronto and because he's so volatile But that doesn't change certain truths. Phil is a pain in the ass. Isn't happy unless he's unhappy. He doesn't practice hard and doesn't work hard off the ice. Phil is going to dislike whoever the boss is. Tockett got through to Phil because Tockett wasn't the boss here. Tock was an assistant. 
But if Kessel went to Arizona where Talk is the head coach, Kessel would hate Talk inside of a couple weeks. Phil doesn't hit. Phil doesn't block shots. Phil always has a better idea. Phil wants to play with Gino. But is Phil sure that Gino wants to play with him? Oh, I'm sure that Phil thinks he's sure, but Phil should not be sure. And to be fair, Kessel should play with Gino. And the argument is about all the negative stuff I just mentioned, Phil produces. Everybody says, leave Phil alone. He produces. And Phil does. He does produce. He had 92 friggin' points, and that's why the Penguins aren't going to trade him. But Kessel being productive doesn't mean all those negatives aren't negatives. And believe it or not, some players get 92 points or more without being a gigantic pain in the ass. Sid and Gino have done it, so it is possible. So that's my new take on Phil. Guy's a great player. But if you're Sullivan, the coach, it's got to suck having to put out fires involving him all the friggin' time. You hear it on this show. Phil's mad about this. Phil's mad about that. Phil wants to play with this guy. Doesn't want to play with that guy. It's too much. Phil has his blemishes, and that's why a guy as talented as him and productive as him got traded twice before he turned 28, and he will get traded again. Because after a while, he's not worth the trouble. Now, the one factor that can't be forgotten is the Penguins are a player's team and not a coach's team. That definitely comes into play. So, I don't think Phil Kessel is going to get traded, but this saga is far from over. Why can't the guy just show up, play hockey, and not bitch so much? Pittsburgh made Phil Kessel. Let me make that crystal clear. Pittsburgh made Phil Kessel, not vice versa. Uh, the Pirates lost. They are now a game under 500. The Pirates only got five hits, and that now puts them seven games behind first place Milwaukee. The crowd was 14K. That's not bad, but it's far from good enough. Uh, I can't wait till Nutting slashes payroll to the bone. That's a white snake lyric, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, wait. Rock me till I'm burnt to the bone. What's that? Oh, yeah, slow and easy. Take me down slow and easy. Anyway, slashing payroll to the bone, that's going to happen. And low attendance is going to get blamed for it. You are going to get blamed for it. I was wondering, if you're hurdle in Huntington, this has to get old. You're brought up in the game trying to win. That's the goal your whole career, going back to when you were a kid and first played baseball. Winning means everything, especially for Hurdle, who played in the major leagues. And now those two guys have to manage a situation where the priorities are different. And sure, it's a paycheck, but after a while, maybe that's all it is. We got Mark Caballi talking Steelers. 
at 3.30, we're going to take a close look at where exactly Ben Roethlisberger is at in his career. On another bucko note, Young Ho Gung got pulled from the starting lineup at AAA today, so I guess he's on his way to Pittsburgh. If Gung is the answer, you might not like the question because the question may be, who plays second once Jay Hay gets traded? Uh, Phil Mickelson apologized for hitting that moving ball at uh, Shinnecock Hills at the U.S. Open. That's the problem with how things are these days. We apologize for things that don't require an apology, and we don't apologize for heinous acts. Who gives a frig about some rule in golf? Mickelson broke it. F it. So what? Sweet Jesus, what's it matter? And he's apologizing three days later? What a world we live in today. 412-333-9939. We got Chris on hold to talk about Phil Kessel. That was plain talk. Plain talk about Phil Kessel. He's a pain in the ass. Pittsburgh made him, not vice versa. It's time to stop holding his friggin' hand. He needs to just show up and play. Before he got to Pittsburgh, he was just a fat schmuck known for eating hot dogs. That's not criticism. That's fact. That wasn't accurate, but it's what people thought, and Pittsburgh fixed that. And boy, yeah, he's brought Pittsburgh a lot, but he could deliver a modicum of gratitude and a modicum of respect as well. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 X. My heart is beating faster, babe, beating like a big bass drum. The way you got me spinning, child. Faster than a bullet from a gun. It slipped my mind. White Snake at the Key Bank Pavilion between Foreigner and Jason Bottoms led Zeppelin evening. That's next Wednesday. Uh, you'll get a kick out of this or you'll cry. One or the other. Uh, here's the Pirate lineup for the third game of the series against Milwaukee. The team split the first two meetings, so the Pirates are trying to win a series against the first-place team uh, at PNC and maybe generate some momentum in the eyes of the ticket buyers. Freeze, Osuna, and Rodriguez are all starting. Sean Rodriguez is in left field, no Dickerson. It's an absolute joke. What the frig are the paying customers supposed to think when they show up and see those bums playing in what passes for a pretty important game against the first-place team in the division. Sean Rodriguez is hitting 159. Why does he need to start ever? As I mentioned before, we got Mark Cabali, who covers the Steelers for TheAthletic.com. He's joining me at the bottom of the hour, about uh, 12 or so minutes away. And we're going to talk uh, extensively about Ben Roethlisberger and where his career's at and what the expectations are for him this season. Ron Cook wrote a good column about Ben Roethlisberger in the Post-Gazette. Ben is going to have a great season coming up. You watch. Not a good season, but a great season. When some athletes get near the end of the line, they kind of fade away. Go mediocre. 
It's organic. It might be physical. It might be mental. It might be both. But there's no big finish. No final act of any consequence. They just play out the string. That's not going to happen with Ben. When Ben feels he can't play, he won't play. Right now, he can still play and play very well. But Ben knows his time is tight. And he's going to prepare and work and make the most out of what he's got left. I can't predict that's going to lead him back to the Super Bowl. That's up to the defense, I'm disturbed to say. But Ben will do his part, and so will the O-line. I love that O-line, and Ben loves that O-line. And what's not to love? Maybe some of them should double up on defense, uh, go both ways. I respect Ben so much, and now him saying he'd leave money on the table with his next contract to pay Ponce and Gilbert, that's what a leader does. Ben's average salary on his current deal is 21 mil, and he's a bargain at that price. What it's saying that column today? The four highest paid quarterbacks in football have four playoff wins between them, and they're all by Matt Ryan. Ben is a bargain at 21 million. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Ah, Jaws premiered today in 1975. I love Jaws. I watch it over and over. Every time I'm flipping the clicker and it's on cable, I watch it usually till the end. Jaws is great because it's a horror movie that could happen. Uh, the Exorcist is the all-time best horror movie ever. I don't watch it late at night because it still keeps me up at age 57. But Jaws is more terrifying in some ways because it could happen. I've seen sharks. I've never seen Satan. I've never seen an alien like in all the alien invasion movies. Jaws, though, Jaws is right out there in the water somewhere. A a hockey note, uh, Austin Watson of the Nashville Predators got arrested for domestic assault. Maybe hockey can be a real sport yet. Let's go to Jeff in Wexford. Jeff, you're on with the super genius. Hey, Mark, uh, what do you think of, uh, about a trade for Bassard for Panarin? What do you think of that? Why would Columbus trade Panarin for Bassard? Because they always have weak centers. They never had a really good guy center. They actually the had Bassard last yeah. season. Why would they want him back? Well, maybe we could throw in a defenseman, too. Yeah, that's just not going to happen, but thank you for a really stupid call. Why would they get him back? If nothing else, that would make the trade they made last year look stupid. People in Pittsburgh were unhappy with what Broussard did. I'm not sure the people in Columbus were overjoyed with what Cole did, and they went out and got a couple other guys at the deadline did Columbus, like Mark Letestu. But they went out in the first round. Same as it ever was. 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 Let's go to Chris in Bethel Park. Chris, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. I might have missed you talking about this at the beginning when I called in. But uh, I want to start. I don't want to trade Phil, and I don't think we will. But would it be smart to move him at this point 
after having the year that he had. Well, it, it depends what your goal is. If your goal is to win another Stanley Cup, the smart thing is to keep him. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I always laugh. I always laugh when fans, and I assume you're a Penguin fan, so this doesn't apply to you. I always laugh when fans of teams that don't win talk about teams that do win and say, well, you got to trade the guy while he's at his max value. Why not keep him and enjoy the production he manufactures at his max value? Uh, the thing with Phil is he's a pain in the ass. And they've handled him with kid gloves probably too long, and I know that's the way to get the most out of him. But it doesn't say much about Phil as a teammate or as being coachable when he had a career year and he's still complaining. He got 92 points and he's still complaining. Mike Sullivan is the great Satan in Phil's mind, but somehow, despite Sullivan's oppression and terrible coaching, Phil Kessel got 92 points. Thank yeah, you for the call. Uh, and, and when I talk about Phil needing his handheld, Phil's not the only guy in the Penguins needs his hand held. But he needs it held more often than anybody else. No question about that. You should hear the media people beg him to do media. Well, beg's a strong word. But, you know, it's like cajoling and coaxing. Just tell him to stay in his in the back room, in the weight room. Well, he doesn't go there. Whatever he does after the game, and, and he doesn't need to talk to us. I don't care. That said, when he was on the show a couple years ago, I enjoyed it very much. He was extremely insightful. But, you know, he plays this little game with the media, and he plays it with the coaching staff. He just plays it with everybody. He's not happy unless he's unhappy. And I'd be tired of that if I were the GM and the coaches. I would be tired of that. 412-333-9939. Up next, Mark Caballi from TheAthletic.com, and we're going to talk about... The state of the quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger. That's right here on 105.9 The X. Joining me now from TheAthletic.com, where he makes all kinds of money, it's football writer Mark Caballi. Mark, I want to drill down with Ben Roethlisberger a, a bit today with training camp a month away. Where is Ben at in terms of his career? At 36, what are his pros and cons? Because it doesn't look like he's lost a whole lot. No, I mean, you look, I mean, depending, I mean, the first, what, month and a half of the season last year, he looked like the age was catching up to him. I mean, I have no, uh, no, uh, nothing to back this up other than speculation, but I think he might have been banged up during that point, um, when he struggled. He got healthy, I believe, and you saw what he was able to do after the last, uh, I think it was week eight on. I think the offense with him in there averaged 30 points per game. He's thrown five, six touchdown games. He's uh he's just their offense. So I don't see him slowing down. I don't see any step back there because uh, what he was good at maybe ten years ago is not what he does right now. He's more of a drop back read guy. Uses his smarts and his arm to be able to uh, move the offense. And I don't think that just goes away automatically. You're not going to lose that arm strength over you know a year or two. You're not going to lose your smarts over you know, a year or two. So if he wants to play until he's 35, 37, 40, 30, you know, 40, I think that's very, very possible because, uh, and the way he said, said numerous times in this off season, man, they got about $30 million wrapped up in that offensive line just for this year alone. So uh, he likes that too. As long as he stays healthy, I think he can play, you know, close to his forties. Now, how is the receiving workload going to be balanced this year? Because, 
Some are predicting Vance McDonald, the tight end, might get 50 catches. How's that going to work? Ooh, they would like to have 50 catches. I mean, what do you have, 14 targets, 10 receptions in that playoff game last year? And if you look, the Steelers really struggled in, in uh, the middle of the field last year, and it seemed like um, there was nothing really many options there, especially over the second half of the season. Um, and Ben really likes to go the middle of the field. And what would happen is they would uh, the defense which would basically overextend to one side or the other to leave the middle of the field open. So if he can get those 50 catches, or I mean even a combination of you know 50 to 70 catches between he and Vance McDonald and Jesse James would be the ultimate because it able to loosen up some stuff underneath. I mean they don't have they don't really have a true slot guy right now i guess i would imagine juju's going to play a little bit there but i think he's going to be moved to the outside james washington's going to be in there a little bit so that middle of the field is key now look when when ben was at his i mean ben was at his most successful was with heath miller and 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 they don't really have that big guy around the goal line too i mean antonio brown's great at everything he does but he seems to get uh, bumped off of his uh, angles a little bit close to the line of scrimmage, close to the goal line that makes those quick throws difficult. And then they struggled with the goal line last year. So, yeah, I think they would love to have McDonald's to step up. But, he, man, he's been hurt his entire career. So I don't know how you can say right now. I mean, he even missed the last couple OTA practice, minicamp practice with an undisclosed injury. So that that's what you have to worry about. I think if he's healthy – he can produce, but the question is if he can stay healthy. Now, you mentioned Antonio Brown. How much more can A.B. do? I mean, he's 29, so he's he's in his prime athletically, I think. He works hard. He's not often hurt. But but can he really increase his numbers any more than he's already done? I don't, I don't see why not. I mean, I, I hate to uh, liken him to a guy like Jerry Rice because Jerry Rice's numbers are unbelievable uh, for a huge portion of his career but Jerry Rice played close to his 40s I believe and he was having some uh, huge numbers when he was 36 37 38 uh, I think Antonio Brown has proved I mean he's very darn close of being in that talk of being the upper echelon of all-time great wide receivers because nobody's done did what he's done over the past five years with the hundred some catches and you know the eight to ten touchdowns this season um, he's just having a monster career. So I don't see – I think it, it goes definitely hand-in-hand hand with the quarterback. As long as he's around, if Roethlisberger's around, I think uh, I think there is no cap you can put on Antonio Brown. I think you mark down 100 catches week one of the season and anything over that you're expecting. Um, but as long as he's in there, I mean, if Landry Jones is in there, if who else is in there, we've seen in the past, uh, Antonio Brown's numbers seem to dip a little bit. So I think those two go hand-in-hand. As long as Ben's around and throwing the ball, I think there's really no limit you can put on what Antonio Brown can do. What about Juju? What are they expecting from him? And can he handle it this year? Because people know who he is now. Not that he snuck yeah. up, per se, last year because he had pedigree. But, you know, that second year can be hard. Yeah, I'm, I'm, he's the one I'm a little bit concerned about it has nothing to do with knee injury or pinky injury or whatever he has because as you say he is a known commodity now not only with opposing defenses um receivers tend to get things in their head of a little ego and i hope he's not going down that path 
to be able to, you know, worry more about Fortnite and uh, his dog and social media than concentrating on what he needs to be able to concentrate on because he has a huge opportunity because he will be penciled in as the number two guy and they need uh, him to do what he does. And what he does is he's a physical receiver. He can, you know, catch and run. He can, you know, block, which is huge in the running game. That's why they would like to have him in the slot if possible because he can block out of that slot position. But I'm a, I'm a little worried because he's still, what, 20? won't be 21 till late November. A lot of success early. I think the key to him is just keeping his head on straight. I'm not sure about that, Mark. Not me neither. We're talking to <laughs> Mark Cabali from TheAthletic.com here on the Mark Mad Show. Now, one of the early returns on James Washington, uh, he almost has to be the number three receiver, and I hear he's a high-traffic receiver. Talk yeah. about that because they could certainly use one of those. Yeah, he reminds me of sort of Martavis Bryant when his rookie year where he just goes deep and they throw him the ball and he catches, but the only difference is uh, James Washington actually can catch balls in traffic, as Tomlin would say, combat catches. He showed that through four weeks of OTAs. I don't know how you know diverse he can be, but I don't know if you really need the guy to be diverse. If you need a guy to spread the field a little bit, run, I mean, you can be a I mean, Martavis Bryant, his rookie year, may have ran two routes, the go route and then sort of like the bubble screen and let him run with the ball. And if you can get James Washington to do that and make, you know, eight to ten big plays a a season, that's all you can – I mean, probably couldn't ask for anything more out of him for, uh, you know, as a rookie third-round pick. Uh, I mean, I think they're still interested in bringing Eli Rogers back, but I don't know that knee – is going to be healthy enough because I think his ACL surgery was mid-January. That would bring it till you know, September. And for a slot guy, I don't know if he'd be ready. I, I think that's too be, big a risk yeah. to bring him back, yeah. Mark, don't you? Yeah, I think they might eventually bring him back just to shore him a roster spot for maybe next year. Right. Something to that. But I don't think you can expect much from him uh, this year. Um, still got the Hayward Bay. But, you know, they got Marcus Tucker who – not too many people know about him two years on the practice squad. Uh, I really think he has a good shot of making the 53, and he's one of those slot guys that's almost uh, very similar to what Eli Rogers can do. And if in the pinch, he can uh, he can probably produce. But uh, you get an injury or two like last year, then all of a sudden that, that position is not really, really deep. Now, uh, Ben loves that offensive line, as you mentioned <laughs> earlier. And, hey, why not? It's matured into a great group, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, you never, you don't realize, but those guys have now been together four years now straight. I mean, I think. Right, and mostly way, healthy in that time. Yeah, I think the, they haven't missed many games at all. I think I think it started, whatever, four years ago when Villanueva replaced Beecham. Ever since that, that starting line has been intact, and that just doesn't happen in the NFL. I mean, even the great offensive lines, the Dallas Cowboys, that's or is being said as the best, the Oakland Raiders, the best, those guys seen some turnover as well. And these guys haven't, I mean, they've, they've been there together and, and, uh, for a good, good portion. And that, that's, that's a big part of it. I'm a little, I was a little concerned about, uh, run blocking maybe last year because they're not an excellent run blocking team. They're a great pass blocking team. I mean, they were what, Le'Veon Bell was what a yard less, large fewer per carry. 
last year than the year before. But uh, I like him. Even the depth of B.J. Finney, he's not super experienced, but he has enough experience where he can fill in guard and center if necessary. Because these guys aren't going to play every game. Somebody's going to miss a game here and there. Uh, Maybe the only little bit of intrigue now would be that swing tackle slash jumbo uh, tight end role that looks like it's Yeah, but they like Chooks, don't they, this rookie? Yeah. Chooks, I mean, everybody's speaking glowing of him. But, you know, when you have four weeks of uh, off-season practice where the linemen just go through drills, you can't tell. I can't right. tell whatsoever. I, I have to see him, uh, what is it, third practice of training camp when we're allowed to put the pads on and hit each other. Then you'll get a better sense of where he's at right now. They're assuming that he has the technique uh, that, uh, that allows him to be successful, but it's very hard to make that determination in, in the spring. Now, uh, what will Fickner do different than Haley? How will that coordinator change manifest itself, and how will that affect Ben? Oh, I think it's going to affect Ben because uh, Ben likes him. <laughs> That's number one. That's a step happy in the right direction, to be sure. <laughs> happy quarterback might make a happy offense. I don't think there's going to be much change. I mean, you'd be crazy to change too much of anything because you've been so successful and you have virtually every single person back except Martavis. And if they were going to make wholesale changes, I'm quite sure the quarterback would have been at more than one OTA or two OTAs. So that leads me to believe there's not going to be a ton of change schematically. I think where the change comes is calling plays for that guy. I mean, he hasn't called plays since 2006 for Memphis, a spread offense. And that's big. I mean, that's not something you can uh, just learn. You have to do it. And that and that's a great, it's a big outcome of, I mean, that's a big way of how your offense rolls. Look at, what was that, the opening series or two, that Jacksonville game, Steelers look terrible in the playoffs. And all of a sudden you're down 14 points because, you know, you're scripted some bad plays. What's he going to call on third and one? Haley would throw the ball 80% of the time. Uh, what are you going to call around the goal line? Steelers struggled at the goal line at times. So I think that's going to be a key. And I wouldn't be shocked if this offense gets off to a slow start because of it until he gets the feet under him and knows what he wants to call. Cause it, I mean, you got what, 30 seconds. What helps him is you got a veteran quarterback that uh, basically knows what he's doing anyways. And a lot of those, uh, those calls where he can uh, run pass options, he wants to do a different type of run pass option than the Eagles. It's basically Ben determining whether he wants to run with the ball with Le'Veon and pass the ball. So I think they might have to rely on a little bit of that early as well. Now, uh, one thing about Ben is, as you mentioned, the O-line and the game plan have kept him on his feet a lot the last X amount of years. So he feels pretty good for a 36-year-old quarterback, doesn't he? Uh, you know, he's had some luck, I guess, too, when it comes to avoiding injury, but uh, that bodes well, I think. Can you look at it? I mean, there's this, this, I think it's a misnomer of him always being injured. You look at his, look at his career. He hasn't missed that many games because of injury. He's missed games of week 17 games against Cleveland. He missed four games because of suspension. What do you do? Miss four games. I think it was his second year in the league. He had a couple injuries. I mean, he hasn't missed that many games because of injury. He has been quite adorable over you know, the span of his career. I mean, even Tom Brady missed an entire season with a with a knee injury. So th- those things tend to happen at times, not him. So I think that's a little bit of a false narrative that that guy gets hurt all the time. I think it's also uh, an old, tired narrative that he – fakes injuries and 
you know, comes up with these lincer stuff. Maybe that was very 2007, 2008 of him. He's not like that. But I, I think he's, I mean, he knows what he's doing right now. He knows how to protect himself and just a twist of a hip, a twist of a shoulders, and he avoids one of those. When's the last time you actually saw him get hit hard? Yeah, oh no, he he's mentioned that a couple right? times on the show. Like for the last couple of years, he says, yeah. you know, he, he I forget what it was, but there was a huge hit he took like two and a half years ago, maybe. And he like says that was the last time. I think it was in that Cincy game, two three years yeah. ago. Yeah, and I remember. Uh, I believe it was Suggs hitting pretty good. Oh no, wait, that's the hit. one. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah, I remember him drilling him one time and knocking. Maybe even Bart Scott, but that was way back when I think maybe. But yeah, he, I mean, he sort of like Jerome Bettis. Jerome Bettis got you know tons of carries, but how many times did somebody put a good lick on him? And I don't think that happened with uh, Roethlisberger. He's not going to run very much anymore. Uh, so, so I, I think he's pretty good. I think he's in a good situation to play. I mean, he wants to get to that next contract. He can say all what he wants about. Uh, not wanting money or anything. You don't think he knows there's thirty million bucks a season? Uh, no, no, no question. But I, but I think he will leave a bit of money on the table if it means retaining Ponce and Gilbert. Yeah, but what I'm what I'm saying is though, but he wants to get into that next contract. Oh, no question. Why yes. wouldn't you? And, yes, and I do absolutely. think Mark. I mean, he says it every chance he gets lately. He wants to get the Steelers to another Super Bowl, and I'm kind of frustrated on his behalf already in that regard because. I think he's good enough to get to a Super Bowl, no question. I think the offense is good enough to get to a Super Bowl. I just don't believe that defense can get this team to a Super Bowl. I just don't believe it. I think they're going to need some favorable matchups. I mean, uh, maybe Patriots get knocked out. I know the Patriots, I mean, I don't think they're as good as they once been, but they do have the Steelers' number over the years. If they get a favorable matchup, then maybe they can sneak by uh, despite their defense. It's crazy because they, they've invested so much stuff and money and first-round picks into that defense. You'd think that it would be a little bit further along than it is right now. I mean, yeah, but that Chazier yeah. loss was crippling, Mark. I, I, nobody yeah. has to tell you that, but it was it was even more crippling than I imagined when he went down. It's a double double whammy right there. You lose one of the best players, if not the best player, on your team, or at least on your defense. But then you're on the on the books for nine million dollars, where you can't go and replace somebody free agency because you already owe him nine million dollars. So it was sort of a double whammy with the Steelers situation. Because what are you going to do? You don't have the money because you got. Nine, I mean, I, I think if they had nine million bucks this year, they probably could have got somebody better than John Bostic as a free agent to replace him. Mark, great stuff as always. Uh, enjoy the stuff with the athletic, and we'll talk again real soon. I hope. All right, see that one. That is Mark Cabali. Check out his work at theathletic.com. Uh, the Post-Gazette is reporting. Jason Mackey specifically that the Penguins are looking at a free agent defenseman who, boy, reading this story, he'd be a perfect fit. I'll tell you who that is just around the corner here on 105.9 X. Pirates with some roster moves. Corey Dickerson is on leave. Family medical emergency. That could be anywhere from three to ten days. Adam Frazier has been called from AAA Indianapolis to take his roster spot. Even though Young Ho Gung was pulled from the Indianapolis lineup earlier today, he is not in Pittsburgh as a lot of people presumed. 
Uh, here's a Penguin note. Jason Mackey, the Post-Gazette, reporting that Jack Johnson will likely be wooed by the Penguins when free agency starts on July 1st. Jack Johnson, of course, has played up many years with the Columbus Blue Jackets. He was uh, teammates with Sidney Crosby at Shattuck St. Mary's Prep School, and they remain close friends. Uh, Johnson probably wouldn't be too expensive. He was a healthy scratch for the Blue Jackets in their first-round playoff series loss to Washington. And, uh, well, that's good news and bad news. The, The bad news is he played pretty bad last year, arguably his worst year as a pro. And as such would likely come cheap. That's the good news. Now, last year he made... $4.3 $4.3 million. He was in the final year of a seven-year contract. And to sign Johnson, the Penguins would have to dump a Hunwick or a Sherry or a Haglin, somebody like that, to clear the space to, to bring in Johnson. Now, as Mackay points out, one thing that would weigh in favor of Johnson coming here from his standpoint, he should want to because uh, Gonchar's done a great job rehabilitating uh, defensemen of pedigree who had not done well, who had stumbled on tough times like Justin Schultz and Jamie Alexiak. Now, if you sign Johnson, he's left-handed, he has played both sides, but I would think He'd be a left-sider on the Penguins with Alexiak moving to the right, where I thought he played better on the right side with Cole than he did on the left side with Ruedel after Cole had been traded. Now, uh, Bob McKenzie of TSN said he expects Johnson's going to get $6 million annually. Uh, There's no way. He was rotten this past year. And if he wants anything near that, then the Penguins will not be for him. I'll be blunt. I wouldn't give the guy more than $3 million. And I would hesitate to give him that. And here's where you got to be careful. Got to be real careful. I said when the Penguins were sniffing around Max Domi. Domi just got traded from Arizona to Montreal. Before that deal was made, the Penguins were talking to the Coyotes about Max Domi. Mario Lemieux and Ty Domi, the former Maple Leaf, who's Max's dad... Mario and Ty are real good friends. If you overpay for Max Domi in a trade, then he comes in here and sucks. People would have defecated all over that. You know, because it's, oh, you brought your buddy's kid in, right? And he sucks. Not that Mario cares what people say, but that's what they would have said had Max Domi come to Pittsburgh and sucked. Same thing with Jack Johnson. You pay him too much and he's not great. Oh, you brought in Sid's friend. Oh, yeah, you're going to win more cups that way. Bring in somebody's friend. you got to be real careful when you make decisions like that. No Quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Check out, excuse me, make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. Jack Johnson's a good defenseman. At the right price, it'd be a nice fit for the Penguins. What's your take on that? 412-333-WXDX. At the open of the show, I talked about how the Penguins have held Phil Kessel's hand long enough. 
He needs to quit bitching, get over not liking the coach, and just show up and play. Okay, Phil Kessel helped the Penguins win two Stanley Cups. But before Phil Kessel came to Pittsburgh, he was thought of as some fat schmuck who ate too many hot dogs. Rightly or wrongly, that was a perception. The Penguins changed that. The two Stanley Cup changed that. Phil Kessel couldn't have done that without the Penguins. It's time for him to not need his hand held as much. They've tiptoed around him too long. That's the whole organization, the players, the coaches, everybody. That needs to end, and if Phil can't grow up and handle that, maybe it's time for him to get traded a third time and play for a fourth team in a relatively brief career. Like I said, a guy like him, 92 points, you can't replace that. But at some point, it's happened twice already. He's just not worth the trouble. Uh, Stephen Brault did a good job singing the national anthem last night before the Pirate game. And then Brault did not pitch. I was hoping Brault would sing the national anthem and then come in in relief and get his ass kicked. Or take a knee while singing the anthem. Doing either would have said a lot about the state of America. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. In just a moment, I'm going to talk about the Penguins' options as they look at deals to be made at NHL Draft Weekend. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 The X.